You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. And good morning, good afternoon, wherever the case may be, wherever you happen to be on this glorious Sunday morning. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber, your host for the next 30 minutes here on Pet Life Radio's live call-in, no, call-in radio show, Ask That to Dr. Jeff. Call-in means we want to hear from you. A couple of ways to do it. Number one, toll-free 877-385-8882. Once again, 877-385-8882. You can also join us here live. Just log on to PetLifeRadio.com, click on Shows, scroll down to Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff, and click on it. Join us live, and you can type in a question or a comment. And finally, the most fun way is to join us here on Google Hangouts. Our producer, Mark Winter, has given us a link. If you go on to the Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff page on PetLifeRadio.com, and you can see Dr. Jeff live now on air. Join our Google Hangouts. Just click on that link, and you can be here live with you, your pet, or your pets, whatever. And ask, pick my brain, or whatever is left of it. And uh, we can hopefully help you with any pet issue you are having. So anyway, I hope you are enjoying your day. It seems like the uh, southeast is drying up from Hurricane Matthew. Reading a lot of reports about stranded pets. They are now starting, well, they've been uh, doing some research efforts. In one area, there were 24 known pets to have been missing. And so far, they've found and reunited all but six with their families, respective families, which is great news. And they are still uh, pounding away looking. The fear is that maybe the pets ran away once they were able to. So, uh, again, that uh, we'll keep you posted on that. I want to thank our sponsors for allowing us to be here for you. Brevecto by Merck, one of my new favorite flea and tick products. It's a single tasty chewable pill that is good for three months for fleas and some ticks. And one of the other ticks, it's up two months even still. That's pretty darn good. And uh, the pets really like it. In fact, they, 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 they will go after it. They like it so much. And also, Save This Life Microchip. It's really cool. Basically, it turns a microchip and a finder's phone along with your phone into a GPS. So it's a great pet locator at the same time. It's, it's phenomenal. And also, More Than a Cone. It's raising awareness of animal welfare through the arts. That is our Kong Veterinary Products. And finally, ProSense Pet Products. Veterinary quality products that you can find at your mass retailers, like your Walmarts and your Targets. It's great stuff. So anyway, as I like to do, I was I get a lot of these websites that just send me sort of veterinary news. And one of my favorite is the American Vet Med Association. It's called Smart Brief. And anyway, so I, I like to go through them and, and I find some interesting stories. And I have a couple here that I want to share with you. First of all, you know, we talk about rabies. In fact, a, a friend of mine who is a medical doctor, an internist, sort of stopped me the other day because one of his patients was sort of like not really like bitten, chomped on but scratched deeply enough that it bled from a dog's canine teeth and was concerned about what do I do? You know, do we, do we need antibiotics right away? Do we, do we do tetanus? What about rabies? And it really is interesting because I get that question a lot. And I'm maybe ultra conservative to the point of not panicking. I don't treat these very aggressively. I guess because I've been bitten over the years, only three times bet bad enough that needed stitches. But 
most of the time, yeah, yeah, it's in the line of work. I'm getting scratched and, and little bites all the time. Usually they're in play, actually, play bites. Actually, my most recent, I just took the bandage off right here. My, I was playing with a bulldog puppy that had extra sharp razor teeth, and all he wanted to do was play. And I'm roughhousing with this guy, and he's got my hands are in his mouth. And finally, he just gave a little chomp like uh, they are prone to do because they're teething. And they don't, puppies haven't yet learned the art of what we call bite inhibition. That's, all right, I'm playing, but how hard do I get to bite before the person I'm playing with or the dog I'm playing with says, to heck with you, I'm out of here. And then he loses his playmate. So anyway, this puppy has not learned bite inhibition yet, and he got me pretty good. But again, I don't worry. Wash soap and water. You know, if it's really obviously a gaping wound with flap of skin and bleeding badly, of course you have to see a doctor and get stitches. But my routine is if it's a superficial, non-serious kind of bite, I just, a little soap and water goes a long way. Maybe some Neosporin on it. I personally am not worried about rabies in California. We haven't had a domestic pet case of rabies in who knows how long. Tetanus, that's a good question. I, you know, I haven't really run into it. I haven't had any clients. I mean, if, let's put it this way. If you talked to an, a medical doctor whose specialty is infectious disease, and they would probably say, yes, go ahead, at least get a tetanus shot. Rabies here in LA, I don't think so. However, what I just read his story is that two boys in Michigan are going through, their brothers going through the rabies prophylactic treatment right now. Why? Because they were bitten, well, one for sure, the other one questionably, bitten by a rabid bat. Uh, apparently, in sleeping, while sleeping, one of the boys felt something like scratching at him, and he went to shoo it away, didn't know what it was, and it was a bat and bit him. And it, it was turned out they were able to catch the bat, and it turned out the bat was carrying rabies. So now these boys are going through the treatment. We don't have, well, I haven't seen any rabid bats here in my area. So I think the most, I guess the best thing you can do, check with your local authorities, check with your veterinarian and get the rundown from your vet. What would you do or should you do with such an occasion where you are bitten by something? You don't know much of the history or any of the history, depending on the, of course, the nature of the bite. Now, cats, on the other hand, cats, I think have dirtier mouths. I see more infections. And maybe it's also because where cats get you. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've been bitten at the like the base of the nail of a, in a cat. And those not, not only do they hurt like crazy, but cat mouths are pretty dirty. So if I am bitten by a cat, I probably would start myself on some antibiotics in addition to soap and water cleaning and all that, and maybe soaking it. I find that my cat bites swell up. My dog bites hardly ever do. So again, you want to check with your veterinarian or your, obviously your medical doctor, see what's prevalent in your area. Those are my guidelines. So, uh, but anyway, it's pretty weird. These two kids, they're getting rabies for prophylaxis and that's not a good thing to, I mean, it'll save their life for sure, but they're kind of painful. Uh, this is pretty cool. At the Denver Zoo, I was reading, you know, whatever happens, I, I don't want to get into the discussion now about zoos and these pet sanctuaries, these wild animal sanctuaries, and are, should we be doing it and, uh, and not doing it, the ethics involved. But that, that's another discussion. And, uh, you know, I would like to, to, I wouldn't mind getting into that discussion, but that's a lengthy one. But whether you're a pro zoo or not, the Denver Zoo is doing something really cool. And that is as their animals in their exhibits get older, they, well, first of all, they're not good representative animals of the species. And uh, sometimes it's just too stressful on them to be in these enclosures. So what they do, no, they don't just put them to sleep or give them someplace else. They can't put it back in the wild, of course. They actually have areas behind the scenes where they care 
for these animals. These are their senior animals that have been in the zoo with them probably since they were born. And they basically take good care of them. They pay them lots of attention. Their goal is to keep them comfortable, healthy, and happy. Literally, as the veterinarian for the zoo says, from the time they are born till the time they pass on. And so just one should know, at least, and I'm sure there are other zoos that are doing this. We just don't know about it. But there was a nice article about this, about the Denver Zoo. And I think that's really cool. So they are taking really, really good care of their senior residents making sure that they remain happy, healthy, and comfortable as they age until it is that time. There's a little study coming about cat whiskers. And, you know, it's obviously these are things that are common sense to some. I'm sure many of you know this, but what I found interesting is that cat whiskers in many cases are unique to the individual cat from the number they are, there are, the placement, and the direction. And I'm going to now take, you know, I have six cats. So I'm going to start taking a look and see, are they as unique as, say, a fingerprint? Or just there are many different variations. But we know that it helps them with their sensations such as feeling and motion and balance. But what also they say that actually even helps with their smell. So whatever it is that they may be smelling, some of that stuff can rub off on the whiskers and it's so close to the nose that they can actually get a better sense of what it is. It's not like a, a passing odor that is here and gone in two seconds, but actually because of the whiskers, they have a better sense of smell. I think that's good. Well, I found this to be pretty gross, just like the Denver Zoo is pretty cool. This is pretty gross. So there is a parasite. It's like a worm. It's called Thalasia and a Calipeda. Anyway, Thalasia, it's a common parasite in, in some animals, uh, most, most in Asia and Europe and people as well, by the way. And it's a worm that can lodge in the eye. And apparently, patients that have had this worm, human patients, actually, one of their complaints, besides some pain and itching in the eye, is that they could see worms. <laughs> they, they could see the worms in their eye. That is really gross. So um, in dogs and cats and horses, where we do see it, thalasia is known to cause some uveitis and obviously even some blindness. So it's a serious bug, but I just thought that was pretty gross. Can you imagine if something that is, has taken up residence in your eye and you can actually see it? Can't touch it, can't move, but you can see it. And I think that's pretty gross. Another warning, you know, we started talking about this. We'll do it some more as, as the temperature gets colder, but some cold weather warnings, things that apparently just to keep an idea, keep an eye out because of your pets, such as snakes. In many climates, this is the time of year that snakes are looking to hibernate. So they may be out and about looking for that perfect spot. So be careful of snakes. Toxic mushrooms. I know I even see those here in our neighbors on walks. You see these things growing in the ground. My recommendation is unless you are really, really well versed in your mushrooms, then you can identify them based on their look. And I can, I saw, uh, I don't know, this is really interesting. And you can go online, check out the charts. These are pictures of mushrooms, all kinds of mushrooms, the poisonous and the non poisonous. And I'll be damned if you cannot tell the difference on some of these species of the two of them. They look exactly alike, and yet one is poisonous, one isn't. So my bottom line is I'm not taking any chances. I'm only going to buy what I see in the market. And even then, I, I'm actually a little bit worried because they do look so similarly. What else? Oh, rodenticides. Again, little pests. Maybe starting to, again, scurry for protection from warmth. So you, people are seeing this in their houses. They're putting down rodenticides like rat poison. Be very careful. Highly, highly toxic to your pets. And, of course, there's always antifreeze. 
And antifreeze right now, especially the older ones, actually have kind of a, a sweet taste because of the ethylene glycol. And that is very dangerous. It, pets are attracted to it. They want to drink it. And it is a great way to blow out your pet's kidneys is antifreeze. So be really, really careful. Uh, this is a cute story. An Uber driver here in L.A. decided to make his experience more fun. So what do you do? He went to the local shelter and adopted out a few pets to help them maybe find homes, permanent homes. And he takes these cute little puppies with him that are probably destined for you know what. And he drives around with them. He picks up his passengers. They get to play with the puppies. He says a little bit about the puppies themselves and and how many cute ones are like this at the shelter. And he is trying doing to his thing while he makes them extra cash driving his Uber car. He is going ahead and educating people and maybe enticing them to go to the shelter and adopt a pet. That's pretty cool. Sadly, LSU's tiger mascot passed away. They had to put him to sleep. Uh, he had a progressive cancer. They had been treating, and it was it was his time. It was just getting out of hand, and that's pretty sad. This I found interesting. It was a video taken by some researchers of chimps, chimpanzees, that are teaching their young, their offspring, how to use a certain tool to drive termites out of wood so they can eat the termites. And it's one of the first proofs, evidence, that these primates actually teach their young. They're teaching their young how to use a device, a tool to attract and to collect termites. So that was pretty cool. It's, a, it's what they call the first evidence of teaching behavior. And uh, lastly, before we go on to uh, talk about some limping and, and joints, which we're going to do right out of the break, Denver Airport has just debuted its indoor pet relief area. And I did not know this, that the U.S. Department of Transportation has now mandated that large airports, large terminals have to provide a secure area for pet elimination spots where you can take your pets for a walk inside the terminal. They have like flushing systems and drainage systems. Uh, You're supposed to pick up, they have uh, receptacles that you can pick up after your pet and it's all, you know, protected from the rest of the people. So no smells get out. And uh, I mean, why not? If you have people that have designated areas for smoking, Why not have designated areas for people to take their furry passengers with them and eliminate without having to go find, leave the terminal, go outside, and then come back. If you have a a long break in between a flight, you just finished a five-hour flight, and I got to wait an hour and a half for your next flight, your connection. You got to take your pet someplace, right? So here's a great way to do it. So uh, Denver Airport is joining many other large airports and large terminals to have potty elimination areas for your pets. Great idea, if you ask me. So anyway, don't go away. When we come back, we're going to talk about some issues of limping, pain, joints, how it happens, why it happens, and what to do about it. So don't go away. We'll be right back here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. As a dog, I know a lot about fleas and ticks, so trust me when I say no other tasty chew protects dogs as long as Brevecto. One Brevecto chew keeps fleas and ticks away for up to 12 weeks. Be a good human and ask your vet about Brevecto. Brevecto may cause vomiting. We mature handsome types need a little special attention. Does your dog suffer from joint and arthritis pain? Deteriorating muscle and joint problems are very common in aging dogs. It's easy to alleviate your dog's discomfort at home with ProSense. ProSense joint care products can help make your dog's life as pain-free as possible, providing effective relief for flare-ups and also lubricate and strengthen damaged cartilage. ProSense products are veterinary formulated and recommended 
to ensure the very best for your pet. Try ProSense today. Your dog will thank you for it. Pets love life. Love them back with ProSense. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Are you confused by the overwhelming number of supplements for your dog? Developed by a veterinarian, Dr. Baker's all-natural canine system saver is designed to address many of the common problems your dog faces today, including allergies, inflammatory diseases, arthritis, hip dysplasia, geriatric problems, and more. Restore and maintain your dog's health with Dr. Baker's all-natural canine system saver. Order two bottles today and receive 20% off plus free shipping. Visit Canine System SystemSaver.com. To get this special offer, enter coupon code RS20 at checkout. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> And welcome back. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber, your host here on Pet Life Radio's SMS with Dr. Jeff. And um, just before the break, I had mentioned I had teased you with limping. You know, it's one of those conditions. If I, you know, I'd say that if I had to categorize the types of things we see on a regular basis, you know, certainly this time of year, well, it's actually, it's hopefully getting better. Skin, itching, allergies, could be fleas, pollens, household food, all these things. And, and it, there are just so many possibilities. Another thing would be vomiting and diarrhea, the typical gastrointestinal signs. Again, when do you panic? When do you not panic? How does it start? How bad is it? There are, again, I mean, sometimes you go from not even just going from, by, based on the history, not doing anything, give it a couple of days to see how it happens, to, oh my God, full blood test, x-rays, uh, ultrasound, the whole bit. How? How and when? How do you make sense out of all this? Another one that we see is the limping dog. And again, it's one of those like the gastrointestinal upsets, the vomiting diarrhea. There are so many possibilities. So when someone says, well, what should you do when your dog is limping? It depends on so many factors. So just to give you some basics, first of all, the important things are age of the pet, the onset, how did it start? Was it a, a slowly progressive condition or just, just literally he was running outside and all of a sudden he's now limping? Is he limping to the point of bearing weight? What we call he's still able to put weight on it, partially bearing weight, like he just toes it down or non-weight bearing, holding it up, no way. Let's talk holding it up. How is he holding it? From where is he holding it up? Is he holding it up very high, right? Or is he sort of drooping it on the low side? Why does that make a difference? Because if they're able, let's take a look, a back leg, for example, if they can hold the leg up really high, that usually means that the hip and knee is just fine. So now I'm going to be looking down at the foot itself, the carpus, the hock. If they are drooping the leg like it's barely, you know, like they can't raise it up, then I'm thinking the problem is probably in the hip or the femur or the knee. So it all depends on these many, many factors. You can tell a lot and need to know a lot just from the history. 
how much you should worry. If I, for example, have a an acute onset of an injury, meaning an injury that came up suddenly, and we want I'm feeling certain things, and I'm a little bit concerned, so I decide to take an X-ray. And on the X-ray, I see horrendous hips. Well, in the eyes or the hands of the uh, less experienced, they might say, oh, here's the problem. It's the hips. And I'm saying, no, it's not. Why? Because changes that you see on an x-ray, changes of arthritis take a long time to develop. So if I took those same x-rays two weeks earlier when the dog was not limping, they would have looked exactly the same as they did today. So I'm saying is, more likely than not, if I were a betting person, I'm not, but if I were, I would say, no, we need to keep looking because these hips have been like this for a long time and he wasn't limping all this time. So what would make him limp today or yesterday suddenly? Uh, Conversely, if we have a slowly progressive limp, it seems to be getting worse with time, then I'm looking for a slowly progressive condition, such as now maybe an arthritis, maybe a, a bone cancer if it's a big dog. So These are the things that really one needs to take in consideration. And also an an area that is often overlooked when we have these limping dogs, it's forgetting my favorite rule, the kiss rule, keep it simple, stupid, is first of all, get a good history, but check the feet too. You'd be amazed, amazed how many dogs are are partially weight-bearing. Like they can still put weight on their leg, but they really don't want to. They'd rather like tow it down or just barely touch that the problem is in the foot, something on the bottom of the foot. The irritation, tar from roads or gum that got, got all chewed up. And now the, the bottom of the foot just hurts a piece of gravel, a, a wood. It could be a million things in there. And yet, oftentimes, when we have these limping dogs come in, of course, everyone is drawn to the joints. It's going to be, let's check the hip. Let's check the knee. Let's check the hock, right? What they forget is, whoa, whoa, time out. Just look at something simple first. Make you always spread between the toes. See if there's something in there. Maybe it's in the, in the springtime. Think of a foxtail drainage tract. Is he licking at it? Is he trying to bite the bottom of his feet? If he is, then ah, he's trying to tell you something. That might be the problem. That might be the area of concern. So I always you know, want people to start thinking logically and that the history, the age of the pet is critical. You know, Can it be, like for example, one of the biggest injuries we see in a large dog is the cruciate tear. And that is often an acute onset, meaning it came on suddenly. Now, in smaller breeds, can they tear a cruciate? Of course they can. It's not as serious in the sense that the, the treatment, the surgery is a little easier. It's not as technical as the surgery we recommend for the larger breeds. But they can tear a cruciate, especially an overweight little pet. Little, you know, little guy is trying to jump off the bed or jump on a bed or, or do something he's not supposed to. He's, he, he falls funny. He's charging around. And because he was a little too heavy, he doesn't stop well. And all of a sudden, he twists his knee and tears his cruciate. He hyperextends his knee and tears his cruciate. So a lot of things. But what we more commonly see in smaller dogs is the luxating patella. And here again, here again, I warn the owner, luxating patellas are typically a congenital defect. Something they're born with, they have shallow, the femoral groove or the patellar groove is shallow. Therefore, the insertion of the patellar tendon on what's called the tibial crest is not in line with the quadriceps muscle group and the patellar ligament. So the tendon is sort of off kilter and therefore it pulls the patella itself, the kneecap itself to the inside. 
and or there's the tendency to be, which is congenital, and then the dog, and his dog's doing fine, and then all of a sudden it does something, and it, it sort of is the straw that broke the camel's back. And now all of a sudden you have a clinical condition, which, by the way, is going to be a little more painful at the very beginning, but they certainly adapt. I, I see dogs all the time with grade one or grade two patellar luxation problems, and they're fine. They're tolerating it very well. So again, one needs to look at not only the problem, the physical problem, the mechanical problem, the anatomical problem, but also what is it doing? How is it affecting the pet? And if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Now, if I have a really severe case of something where I concern that knowing that as if, if this continues over time, then we're going to end up having severe arthritis. Then we're going to talk about repairing it. Absolutely. So I see a grade two and a half, a grade three, or of course, certainly a grade four, that dog needs to be repaired. But if it's a grade one or two, where the kneecap does come out of its groove, but it's mostly in the groove and the dog is doing fine, then I'm, of course, I'm not going to recommend surgery at this time. It's something we're going to keep a watch on. But what else can we do other than surgery is the key. And there are a number of things. First of all, chondroprotectants. These are the glucosamine chondroitin products, something called adequin, polysulfate glycosaminoglycans. There are a lot of medications that seem to help these joints, these disease joints. And some non-Western modalities, acupuncture is amazing. Chiropractic. You know, there are human chiropractors that can take courses and get certified in doing chiropractic for your dogs. Likewise, there are veterinarians that take these same courses and are learning the art of canine and feline or, or, or equine chiropractic. So that also seems to work very well. I've had a chiropractor come in and treat some of my patients and does do an amazing job. Something that I've been doing lately, which I had tremendous success, and that is something that is called PRP, platelet-rich plasma. So what it is, you take blood from the pet, it's their own blood, and you spin it down in a special device, a special machine. You isolate the part of the blood, which is platelet-rich plasma, And then you inject it back into the disease joint. And I've done it for hips. I've done it for shoulders. I've done it for elbows. I've done it for knees. And I have to tell you, it's amazing. So you should check around, talk to your veterinarian about PRP, platelet-rich plasma. It's sort of like the whole idea of stem cell, and it's very regenerative. And I've had dogs that had non-surgical diseases, not because they didn't need surgery, but because of many other factors, surgery was out of the question. The dog's age, the finances, whatever the case may be. And there were some partial response to the non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, partial response to the chondroprotective agents and the glucosamine chondroitin, um, MSM. But we needed more. And we tried these dogs on the PRP, and it was absolutely amazing. You're going to be seeing a lot of work coming out of Cornell University Veterinary School about PRP. But I have to tell you that I've been doing it now for about a year and I've had some amazing results. So if you have either is on the borderline of surgery, you want to do something before, will really help your pet. The joints regenerate. They just do well. They're running around again. The first time I did it, this dog was literally running up and down stairs. I had a Labrador retriever patient that had bilateral fragmented coronoid disease. We called FCP or elbow dysplasia. Now, surgery was never done when he was younger. And now he was really starting to limp and did the PRP. And this dog is doing amazingly well. So talk to your veterinarians about that one. You can do your own homework on Dr. Google, platelet-rich plasma. Check it out. But just know that limping is very, very common. You want to get to the root of it. You want to get an accurate diagnosis, but you don't want to panic necessarily and be really careful. The most important thing is a history. So 
Anyway, thanks for joining me here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. We will be here next week to visit with you again. If you have any questions or any topic that you would like discussed, anything that you maybe was just diagnosed on your pet and you want to learn more about it, go ahead and send me a note to drjeff, Jeff at petliferadio.com. Or if you get the courage, the guts, next week, you can give us a call at 877-385-8882 or join us here on our Google Hangouts. Thanks again to our sponsors, More Than a Cone, Kong Veterinary Products, ProSense Pet Products, Merck's Bravecto, and Save This Life Microchip. We'll see you here next week. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.